Welcome back to West Bev. I'm Caitlin. I'm Ariel. And this is your Beverly Hills 90210 podcast, where we break down every episode of the 10-season show. Today, we're talking about Season 6, Episode 1, Home is Where the Tart Is. Mary, what happened this week? Kelly comes back from New York with a new portfolio of modeling photos and a new artist boyfriend, Colin Robbins, who's into pranking old people on planes. Colin is also into having the audacity to call Kelly's beach house tacky when, like, two scenes later, we some of his air quotes art. <laughs> Dylan comes by to see Kelly and admire her photos and also be like, hey, so I never cleaned out my dad's storage unit. Come with. Kelly agrees to accompany him, only as a friend, though. This doesn't stop Dylan from trying to kiss her before he tells her he's going to try to figure out who killed his dad. His dad's notebook from prison is his first lead, and he goes to visit his dad's cellmate, Ben. Ben gives Dylan the name Anthony Marchette, who's into all the usual business things, casinos, land development, and murder. Ben tells Dylan not to get himself killed because his dad wouldn't like it. Okay, so the first scene, like, you had to know something was going on with this, because of Kelly's like very breathy voice. Yeah. But they got me. Oh, for sure. I even like knew what was going to happen and they still got me. I was like, hang on. No, no human, ma- well, maybe a human white male would have the confidence and audacity to just like say these things like, um, what's your major? Driving men wild? <laughs> you have incredible eyes. And that mouth is like a ripe strawberry. <laughs> I think I like gagged at that moment. <laughs> I I wrote in all caps, oh my God, I miss this so much. Right? And what I missed was the onlookers just staring, like leaning forward in their seats to get a look at what are what are these young people about to do? <laughs> Which yeah, this whole time I was like, something is going on with how these two are acting, and yet, like, no one has this caucasity to just move their ass up to first class. Right, exactly. But, but like, the show having all of these people staring at someone from the gang doing things, I was like, well, I mean, high school graduation, this is not new to me. Well, that's true. And also, like, I guess technically, if you want to get meta about it, the whole crew was watching them do this, so... <laughs> It was so wild. So a little fun fact, because like we don't yet know his name. And in this scene, um, we eventually figure out that, you know, he and Kelly are together and this was all a prank. But a fun fact about this actor and Mary, you may not know this and that's OK. But Ariel, you have seen the college football Dr. Pepper commercials. Mm-hmm. He's the dad. He's the dad? He's the dad in the Dr. Pepper college. He's the one that like last year or two years ago or something like that, he was the one that got really mad because his son wanted to go to state, not oh. um, whatever the one's called. What? It's like state and... It's like state and university. Or something. Oh, yeah. State and tech. Yeah. So he got... Or no, he his son wanted to go to tech. And so he got really mad. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. See, that that is such a better association that I can give to him because when he introduced himself as Colin Robbins, I was like, Colin Robinson? 
Exactly. Yes. I wrote it down and I I did a typo. I did Colin Robinson. That's not right. <laughs> I did it several times because I just, I was like, I got to commit to the full name because mm-hmm. Colin Robbins, like that feels like a purposeful name here. Oh, for sure. For sure. Uh, did you also notice that Kelly's new haircut is basically Jackie's haircut? Oh man, I didn't. I mean, they have like a little bit of a different hair type. But yeah, that's essentially, oh man, she's turning into her mother with the modeling and all of that. Whoo boy. What I thought of first when I saw her haircut and like realized that she'd been off modeling, I was like, okay, she was on America's Next Top Model and Tyra told her (laughs) she has a really strong face. (laughs) I would absolutely pay for an in-universe like Next Top Model type reality show that Kelly has to go on. Oh, my God. That would be awesome. Oh, Kelly and Valerie. Like, put them in a beauty pageant together against each other. And obviously, we'll get to her, but add Ginger in there, too, just to stir the pot. I have so many opinions on Ginger, and I cannot (laughs) wait to get to her. (laughs) But I will admit, like, the whole – I mean, dialogue aside, like, being kind of gross – Colin getting to the lavatory and just kind of grinning and like giggling a little bit like actually was pretty cute like this is an attractive fella and so I'm excited for their relationship I know a few things that happen and and remember some things but like he was pretty cute here just like thinking oh did we pull it off did we did we trick him (laughs) so when y'all go out like do you ever have the like let's pretend we don't know each other thing with your husbands do you ever do that I've I've never done it (laughs) I think Michael and I did that once and it was on my 21st birthday and we were just out somewhere we had never been before and it did not last long because we just started laughing it's it's a bold move and definitely something I could see Kelly having fun with oh for sure and honestly I'm surprised like she and Dylan never did it I feel like this isn't necessarily like, I wouldn't be surprised that Dylan hasn't done it. I would believe that Brandon would be into it. That's fair. That's fair. Like, they're definitely making Dylan very serious. Even in the intro, Dylan is wearing the majority of a suit. That's true. That's true. Yeah, which is a good segue because we get our new credits. And we have new hair for Kelly, for Donna, for David, which is really just he shaved his head. For Claire, it's just longer, so it just grew. Mm-hmm. Um but then also we find out that Jamie Walters, who's Ray, Kathleen Robinson, who's Claire, Robertson, who's Claire, and Nat, for some reason, are now series regulars. Nat contractually obligated to be in every episode, <laughs> Busiccio. Yes. However, he is not important enough to make the final shot of the opening credits with all of the people who are series regulars. <laughs> Which makes sense because he is an old man and they're all 20. Right. So later on, when we talk about Nat at this party, <laughs> Rumi, I was like, no, absolutely. He was like, how come you don't invite me? And I was like, because you're old and you should be at work. Right. Oh, also, the idea that Ray is in this intro after the last episode was him pushing Donna down the stairs. I was like, this is a bold move on the show's behalf. It's like, I don't know if they're trying to resuscitate you know and like kind of give Ray a redemption arc that then gives viewers and Donna and the gang you know like the chance to love him 
or yeah like that was a choice like just keep him a a guest recurring guest star at this anyway yeah i i have opinions on that that we'll get to when we get there but coming out of the credits we like we're gonna skip a little bit ahead to get to more kelly and colin i don't think they're gonna have a good uh couple name Kali, <laughs> Kellen. <laughs> I don't like. I just don't like either of those. I guess um, Kellen is fine. Kali, Tabor, Tabert. What's his last name? Robbins. Robbins. Tabins. 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 Railer. They're all bad. They're just all bad. <laughs> okay, so let's think of it in terms of maybe like um like superheroes do sometimes so like he's an artist she's a model so like modest modest is good though modest is good (laughs) all right what did you say mary (laughs) artle sounds like a pokemon yeah right (laughs) artle arrives at the beach apartment and so the I started like losing any sense of caring about anything that they were saying because Colin's hair is very flippy and mm-hmm. I swear I I totally missed when they repainted the like sponge painting on the wall. It was like this is not the apartment. I don't recognize this place. Yeah, it's like they wallpapered slash painted over slash put up you know, art, I guess, which mm-hmm. makes sense so that they could have Colin come in and criticize the art. But yeah, it totally looked like somebody just over the summer redecorated. What a strong start for every guy that shows up on this show is just to neg the women around him. God, it, I hate it. But it like works because they lean into it with Claire walking in and reading off a review of his art from that magazine july's art news like she knows the exact month she knows the exact quote so she's like "Mm, okay i'm gonna take you down a peg and just show you like i i know who and what you are i love claire's first impressions they're so weird they're so weird but they so they work because like she she commits to the role so yeah it works for me i just like imagine meeting someone and then like you know moving across the country or like flying with them you go to their house for the first time and their roommate comes in and just like <laughs> photographically gives you your own art review back to you and it's like nice to meet you I'm never coming back imagine if he wasn't an artist and he was just a person who like I don't know was in art class in high school or something and she just recites his accomplishments from high school or something <laughs> <laughs> like he's she such found a normal transcript dude. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I guess she could if her dad works for a university system. I'm sure she could figure it out. I mean, it's her version of like a background check, right? I love the idea that everyone in this friend group now believes in background checking anyone that comes in. (laughs) I mean, it's totally fair given all the people we've known thus far. (laughs) I know, right? But Colin leaves because he needs to go unpack his place. He's staying in Venice, which... I don't think we actually know exactly where the beach apartment is supposed to be, so I don't know how close Venice is. I could have right, forgotten right. that. Yeah. And then Dylan shows up. 
He sure does. I just, he's so serious. Well, yeah, because we find out, like, he, so he's looking through the photos, and Claire and Kelly are looking through the photos. Dylan shows up. First of all, Kelly's photos are awesome. Mm-hmm. They look great. And Dylan, in fact, says, like, he took the Euro trip, but he's really cynical about it. He's like, well, I have a stamp, and my passport has a stamp on every page, but he doesn't really care about that. And he ends up saying, like, he's right, right back where he started to imply he's still into Kelly. So he's now checking to see if she's still into him, which she's not. She's like, nah, I'm good. I'm dating somebody else. But then he pulls out a pocket watch and I totally forgot about the pocket watch. And he's like, look what I have. And I was just like, why is this important? I know. He was like, do you recognize this? And I was like, no, I don't. Tell me everything. Yeah, no, no. Tell me more. And that was the one once he said it, I was like, oh, yeah, because he, he said it was his dad's and he had left it in that one cantina in Mexico because that was all he had to pay his bar tab, which, mm-hmm. yeah, that was when he was still like Kevin and Suzanne had drained his or stolen his money and, and done whatever with it. So he had no money. But because he now has his pocket watch back, he's all on board with still just like investigating and figuring out who murdered Jack. Um, and because Kelly's been with him through obviously the actual death of jack mckay and everything else he wants her to join him but as a friend yeah i thought this whole dylan and kelly thing was really interesting because yeah it's this whole like you were there when my dad died like you were literally with me like you were on the phone Mm -hmm. but then later on when kelly is talking to colin she's like yeah, I didn't really handle like being there for him that well when his dad died. So I feel guilty. Right. And so I just think it's very interesting to see the two sides of this exact same moment in people's lives where Dylan is like, you're there. I'm attached to you. And Kelly's like, I feel like I wasn't there. So I'm attached to you to make up for that. Yeah. Yeah. It's like Dylan kind of put her up on a higher pedestal than what she thinks she should have been put at. Right. Mm -hmm. And now she's like, I'm really terrible in these situations because we know that like she's not good in crisis. And yeah, I can see her. That's a I think that's a right character decision to feel guilty about it. But you just have to wonder how much of it really is that and how much is is Dylan's plan to like slowly work his way back into her heart, I guess you could say. Yeah, I could definitely see them like rekindling things over this because you do bond over emotional moments like these things exactly yeah it's like the shared trauma yeah and I mean right before this I thought it was interesting Kelly tells Claire that like she changed a lot and she's just not gonna like take anything anymore she's a different Kelly yep I I mean it, it was either clear she had been to therapy or she just did a lot of work on herself independently while she was out um modeling over the summer because she even says like if I'm going to keep modeling I'm going to be in complete control so she has decided like even after being in a cult and dealing with her mom and dealing with Steve trying to like get her an agent and all this stuff she wants to make the decisions she wants to make things happen her way period and I appreciate that I do have to think that part of that comes from being away from the friend group and Beverly Hills all summer. Like, Mm -hmm. don't get me wrong. I love them all together. I love the tragedy 
that comes from everybody being together. But I do also feel like the second you get an outside perspective, you're just like, should I really be here with these people? Yeah. I mean, and let's be real. The first one to realize that is Brenda. Mm -hmm. Whether or not, you know, drama aside outside of um, the show, she still was like, "Mm, I probably don't belong here, so I need to get out. And she never comes back. (laughs) That's a damn shame. (laughs) Well, so, you know, Kelly has agreed to go with Dylan to, you know, look through his dad's storage unit. Oh, actually, real quick before this, that little 90210 logo right before commercial breaks, I was losing my mind when that popped up. It's so soap opera-y, you know? Like, I imagine them to be like, um, to be continued on Beverly Hills 90210 or like some sort of weird segue. <laughs> I loved it. Like, it just made me so, I was like, this is so 90s. This is so dramatic. Mm-hmm. I'm here for it. I hope it stays forever. Like, I don't know who decided to do <laughs> it, but I want it. They're like, we've done a million montages. Give me some, like, like other ideas to waste five seconds. <laughs> People really don't like all of the 30 seconds of birds. So we're just yeah. <laughs> five seconds of 90210 on the screen. Perfect. Sounds good. You get a raise. <laughs> but yeah, so, you know, the next day, a couple of days later, Dylan and Kelly are going through his dad's storage unit. And like, I really appreciate Kelly being like, Shouldn't the police be handling this? And Dylan being like, they're not doing anything. I'm doing it. Like, I just right. love this idea of Kelly being like, I'm just checking with you. Like, we did call the FBI. Yeah. And which to Dylan's credit, you know, he did. He and Christine Pettit were like, obviously, and on the whole Kevin and Suzanne thing. But she basically told him, like, nothing was going to happen. And that was why he ended up get, getting paired up with Jonesy. And all that. So it sounded like they exhausted all of their resources, at least when it comes to like legal resources and things like that. So Dylan was like, well, they can't do anything. I might as well try. Yeah, I just I really appreciated that they brought that up to be like, just to remind you, Mm -hmm. this was a thing and it's gone. This is not an option anymore. Christine's not coming back. Right. Et cetera. And then we get like some weird stuff where Dylan is looking through his dad's old uh, like check register. Mm-hmm. And we find out that Iris got $6 million in the divorce, which means she got $6 million to walk away from Dylan. And that is not a lot of money. I expected it to be more like $60 million, you know, like right? double digits at least. Like, you know, I know inflation is a whole thing. And so maybe $6 million in 1996 was more than it is today. But like, to walk away from your child? Mm-hmm. It makes me wonder, like, what else he gave her. Like, maybe he got her the house in Hawaii. Like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, because it was just an underwhelming number. It really was. And I feel like Boomy also thought that because he just, like, dipped on it. He was like, I'm sorry, what'd you say? Yeah, he was like, that was a single six. <laughs> Are you sure you didn't just misread that? Right. Like, he had some loopy ones. So maybe it's like 16? Yeah, 61. I don't know. <laughs> and I mean, they even have this whole like 
paired thing where Kelly brings up like, oh, well, you know, my dad left for nothing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then Dylan's even like, well, at least he's alive, you know? So of course it's like the little one-upping each other's trauma situation, but regardless, either situation sucks. But eventually, you know, Kelly decides like, hey man, why don't you try talking to the guy that was with Jack while he was in prison um, to see what he knows? He probably knows at least a little bit because they were with each other every single day. Mm -hmm. To which point, like, (laughs) I gotta say, their chemistry is still so good. Like, for a second, a small, tiny second, I was like, do it, do it, right? do it, do it, right? do it, do it. <laughs> well, and even when she like kind of pushes him away, but she's got her hand on his chin, I was like, just like stroke his jaw a little bit. Yeah. Like, give it to me. It was just so palpable. Right? Oh, also, man. And like, this is kind of totally sideways from that. But wild to me that Kelly can not kiss Dylan now that she's with Colin. But when she was with Brandon, it was just like, yeah, let's go totally horizontal outside in a park. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I mean, God, maybe she really did learn a lot and change a lot in New York. (laughs) I mean, I really hope that for her because I got to say, I love the new Kelly. I really do. Yeah, me too. And, And we already liked her beforehand, but of course there's always room for people to grow. And I think the fact that she was able to like exercise some self-control, even after like we had just talked about coming back into this somewhat at times toxic friend group. Right. And, and refuse him, you know, even when Dylan's like, there's always someone else after Mm -hmm. she tells him, she doesn't say Colin, but she says there's someone else. And this I thought was an important line and spoiler alert, it might be my quote of the week, not because it was funny or anything like that, but because I think it was necessary. She says, Dylan, we're over. You don't need me anymore. And I really think like we always talked about how their relationship was mostly physical. There was like very little emotional maturity when it came to their relationship. But I think what it also was, was extremely codependent, even though Dylan wanted to be independent. Like, he still needed somebody to ground him. He still needed somebody to be whatever he needed them to be. Like, even if it wasn't something specific. I mean, we saw that with Val, right? Like, he didn't really like Val, but he used her. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was an important line for Kelly to say to not only recognize what it is, but then actually to tell him. God, it really does sound like she went to therapy over the summer. Right? Like, the language she's using. It really does. Yeah. Oh I mean, I hope that's the case. And it's not just that like she took Psych 201 at NYU <laughs> while she was in New York. Hey, but even if she did, it's clearly like resonating with her. So <laughs> I mean, I got to say like her being a psychology major really like it fits with me. I yeah. totally appreciate it. And I, if they're going to have her talk this way going forward, I'm all for it. Yeah. Agreed. I think – she has technically gone off to see Colin at this point, but we see Dylan first because he has to go to the prison to visit his dad's cellmate. And the prison guard is Daryl from Charmed. Ah, see, I didn't watch Charmed, so I didn't pick it up. Yeah, no, the second he showed up, I was like, Detective Morris, what are you doing here? Because <laughs> he's awesome. in, like, I never finished Charmed. I've watched it through so many times and we will stop at, like, I don't know how many seasons it is. So I'll just say five. Like 
as soon as they introduced a magic school, I got really over it. <laughs> but like Daryl is in, I'm pretty sure every single season of Charmed. Oh wow! Okay, so upgrade. Good for yeah. him. And he was like, he was one of the key people in the first couple seasons with Prue. That's awesome. Yeah, I was just really excited when I saw him. I saw a lot of people in this episode. Apparently. 90210 could afford the actors that will eventually become something. Exactly. Yep. And he takes him in to the visitation room where, was his name, Ben, the cellmate, Mm -hmm. sits down and is just like, yeah, who doesn't know who killed Jack McKay? Yeah. Like, this is just common knowledge. Like, what? (laughs) Christine Pettit of the FBI doesn't. And she was there. (laughs) I just, I love Dylan being like, I don't. Yeah. Why I'm here. Yep. So we find out that the guy who apparently killed Jack McKay, his name, his name is Anthony Marchette, but apparently he's untouchable. He then tells Dylan he'll never get to him, which I guess if they're going the angle, because obviously, let's face it, Anthony Marchette sounds very mobstery. Like, mm-hmm. obviously, he's going to have a lot of layers of protection and a lot of layers of like cover up and all this kind of stuff. If that, like, he's got a mob name, that's just what happens. <laughs> I was literally watching Riverdale this morning, so all I can think about is Archie becoming, like, a teen capo. Oh, my God. This is what Dylan needs to do. He wants to be a made man. (laughs) And it's going to all break apart, and he's going to be falsely sent to prison, and then he's going to break out and go fight a bear. I mean, he plays Fred Andrews. Like, it's not a stretch. It's not a stretch. But God, like a like one degree from Riverdale just right now in 1996. I know. <laughs> but like in all seriousness, though, Dylan got hung out of a tram over a mountain last season from right. a, like a man in the mob. We don't know like what level he was at, but that man was clearly connected. Yeah. And now we don't know if he's connected to Anthony Marchette, but he's connected to something bad. Yeah. And so I think that just kind of adds to Dylan's commitment to this whole thing of the fact that like I almost died I almost got thrown out onto a mountain last Mm -hmm. year but I need to find the man that killed my father yeah 100% and I support it I actually like this storyline I know it's a little capery you know and and maybe this it's getting a little too soap opera-y for Beverly Hills 90210 but I'm not mad at it I mean I think it makes sense for Dylan I think that was the problem is that having a large cast like this, you kind of run out of story that isn't part of the group. You know, you end Mm -hmm. up, we talked about, you end up recycling things and doing the same thing over and over. So this actually makes sense because it's something we haven't seen and it's something else to get us intrigued into Dylan, his backstory, what he, what he prioritizes, like all that good stuff. Yeah. Well, and I really appreciate if they're going to introduce new storylines for this season that they started with this one as mm-hmm. like a big thing for him because if you look at how everyone else progressed over the summer they really didn't I yeah. mean Kelly did mm-hmm. and Dylan has you know a plan for at least part of the season I don't think this is going to take him 32 episodes to find the man who killed his father right but like Steve didn't do shit Donna didn't do shit they yeah. are exactly where we left them so exactly yeah, I'm fine with this story. I'm excited to see where it goes. And to your point, like, even though Donna and Steve and Ray, well, I mean, like, people had jobs, like, but they didn't do things that were potentially life-changing. 
that's okay with me because I would rather them take one or two people to focus on at a Mm -hmm. time than trying to find something to do for all of them. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely, you know, what I've seen be successful in future shows. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if they got that from watching 90210 or they did it on their own, but like, yeah, I would rather, you know, have Dylan have all these things and then everybody else just like throws a house party where they accidentally trash Brandon's childhood home and it's not his fault at all. Anyway. (laughs) To be continued later. (laughs) Well, so Kelly is going to go to the party. But Colin isn't because he has to unpack and she's over there helping him pre-party. And so she's telling him about like her and Dylan and everything that happened with Dylan's dad, which I thought like, again, I feel like this is a real bold move to be like, yeah, my ex-boyfriend who I will be helping find the man who murdered his father didn't turn to me when his dad died. Like this is a lot of like baggage to unpack. Sure. Which I guess now that I think about it like that, makes sense why Colin was like, smell this paint. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I wrote down Colin's got heavy. My dad wants me to get a quote unquote real job, but I want to be an artist energy. For sure. He's definitely like tortured artist kind of vibe. But yeah, he does pull some brown paint out, rub it all over <laughs> in his hands and just like smear it on Kelly's face and then they make out also the choice of the color why why <laughs> yeah I was a little uncomfortable which I know was not the point but I was like just blue yeah yeah just blue uh, Kelly looks amazing in blue and red pick one I was about to say even just like you know your same color wheel just go more red you know mm-hmm. like don't do this what do you call it like burnt mahogany or something like that yeah it was something it was. like that I want to say it was like burnt sienna or something. That's what it was, sienna. Okay, yep. yeah. But yeah, just just a quick little like, let's unpack our baggage to each other and then make out with paint covered all over ourselves. Mm-hmm. Which I also now kind of feel is a trope. I feel like that's like, how do we get our characters to say something emotional to each other and then diffuse the situation so we can move on from it? Paint right. fight it's like the similar thing of like you're cooking in the kitchen and you like toss flour at people like <laughs> I'm sorry I just thought of one of the Thanksgiving episodes of New Girl where Cece like puts mashed potato on Schmidt's face and he just screams at her <laughs> classic trope <laughs> no it totally does and then like you know we may want to just kind of go to a different storyline here because from that point forward, we end up seeing Kelly and Dylan again at that party. I agree. We should move on. Mary, what else you got for us? Not the party yet because I got to tell you guys about Ray. <laughs> Ray has been making up for Palm Springs to Donna by spending the summer yachting with her and her dad. Later, they throw a yacht party during which a wealthy guest misplaces her expensive ring. Felice asks Donna if Ray's seen it, and Ray gets all offended they would accuse him, only to get mad again when Donna finds it in his jacket pocket. (laughs) The level of disdain in this voice is everything. (laughs) But, like, I feel it. Like, I feel that energy because a lot of this storyline just bothered me. 
Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, they tried. Yeah. Let's just get into it because basically we see Donna and Ray on a boat, which is essentially Dr. Martin's. I almost forgot that he was a doctor. And apparently just throughout the summer, Ray was first mate on Donna's dad's yacht. And we assume Donna was with him just because she is also there, but they don't actually explicitly say it. Um, but it sounds like they're in a good place, right? Like Donna is all huggy and kissy with Ray and is like, I really appreciate how great you've been. And he literally says, yeah, I'm trying to make up for what happened in Palm Springs, Palm Springs, you know, when I physically abused you. Yeah. And you ended up in the hospital. Yeah. Like, Which- and still no one knows that he did this. I think this is the part that bothers me most. Well, and like, Val does know that he did this and just like they just say like oh well nobody's returning Val's calls she's been by herself it's fine move on right but like this I just don't believe that the Ray from the finale who you know pulled up to a resort and valet tried to take his car and he was immediately like this is not my place I don't belong here I'm leaving would be okay joining a yacht club for the summer Yeah. I mean, unless he literally just like completely feels guilty. Like that's the thing. I don't even think the relationship would be that worth it to him. Like, and that's no offense to Donna whatsoever Mm -hmm. because she's an angel on earth if I ever met one. But to your point, he went from basically pauper to prince, but never wanted to. So why is this relationship, why is this situation worth it for him to do this? Well, and yeah, he, I'm pretty sure he explicitly said at some point last season, like, I'm going to choose my career over you. Like, Donna is not the center of his universe. Right. Exactly. The only thing I can think of is like, he doesn't want to end up in jail or like reprimanded for the fact that he physically abused Donna. So it's almost like she has blackmail, but would never actually do that to him if he broke up with her. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, there are definitely some uh, dark assumptions that we could make about them, Mm -hmm. which, to be fair, everybody else does because this whole scene was basically to establish Ray has been hanging out with the Martins all summer. He and Dr. Martin have been on this boat, and I guess they're, like, racing boats with the yacht club. Mm -hmm. That's what it sounds like. It's, like, some regalia or something. And... I don't know if they won or if Felice was just throwing this end of summer party anyway, but the next scene we see with them, the yacht is popping. Like, Mm -hmm. they have so many guests, they cannot fit on the yacht. Yep. And two of those guests are Mr. and Mrs. Corman, also known as Lady Who I Didn't Look Up on IMDb and Principal Flutie from Buffy. Oh, wow. That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. He's the one in the first episode of Buffy where he's like, we don't believe in like past issues. And he rips up her uh, transcript and then sees that she burned down the gym and tapes it back together. Yeah. He's like, well, maybe we do. (laughs) Yeah. That's Principal Flutie. That's awesome. That's so fun. It made me so happy. And apparently Donna has been allowed to invite all of her friends, which basically means everyone except for Val. (laughs) Yeah. Make sure that is, like, put on a finer point because everybody makes it clear that she was not invited. I really love that, like, Donna invited people and was like, yeah, everyone's coming. And then Steve was just like, hey, Val, everyone's coming. (laughs) Right. Of course it was Steve. Oh, my God. I am so conflicted about Steve in this episode, as always. 
yeah. story of my life. <laughs> but yeah, she's invited everybody. Ginger and Val show up. I feel like I want to talk about them separately. But, you know, they show up. They cause a little bit of a problem. And then Mrs. Foreman comes up and is like, oh, my God, I can't find this, like, giant ring that I took off my finger to wash my hands and left. Mm-hmm. Like, talk about some wealth that you put that thing down and walked away from yeah, it. Yeah, and forget about it. Yeah, apparently long enough that somebody else could take it, which Felice immediately jumps to Ray because Ray comes from, like, whatever – the bottom of the boat like he comes up from the bathroom was like oh I was just there I didn't see it and apparently no one in between Mrs. Foreman and Ray could have taken it must have been right. Ray right of course which that makes you question how quote-unquote good you know had things improved over the summer like clearly I don't really think Dr. Martin ever had a big issue with Ray Mm-mm. um obviously Felice did and obviously Donna did so things clearly improved with Donna over the summer but maybe Felice it was all just kind of like well we'll see well I'm just gonna wait for the other shoe to drop kind of situation yeah I feel like Felice is always just suspicious of everyone like super sus she liked him at the end of last season when he was like oh yeah I'll tell your daughter how to dress right yeah they bonded because they wanted to just control control Donna Donna. (laughs) did y'all hear Dr. Martin called the yacht Falana. No, I totally missed it. The yacht's name is Falana. I <laughs> like what? <laughs> yeah, I don't remember what the context of it was, but it was when Felice like essentially accuses Ray of stealing the ring, and I think Dr. Martin's like, "We'll search the Falana." Oh, okay. Yes, now I remember him saying that, but I was like, "Is that a part of the boat?" <laughs> Wow. It's a choice. It's quite a choice. I feel like he should have just gotten two yachts. (laughs) Right? (laughs) One's the Felice and one's the Donna, and he spends time with them equally. (laughs) But later that night, to, you know, kind of continue off of Felice accusing Ray, Ray goes to pick Donna up for this party and is like, Felice thinks I took it, didn't she? Yeah. Like, literally, that was the only purpose of that one little scene was, like, Donna getting ready for the party and Ray shows up and he's like, your mom's suspicious of me, right? It's like, yeah. Yeah, dude. She's police. Like, yeah. just always assume she hates you. She hates everyone. Right. I feel like exactly. half the time she hates Donna. And Dr. Martin. Like, let's be real. She cheated on him, so. Yeah. <laughs> she's the worst. I, she's the worst. I will say I enjoyed, like, they're like very light kissing was kind of weird when she's like, oh, we have just enough time for you to mess up my lipstick. All I could think of is how every time I put something on my lips, John is like, I'm not coming near you ever again. Yeah. Same with Nate. He hates my chapstick. I literally like will be like, he goes in for a kiss. and I'm like, hey, I have chapstick on just to warn him. He's like, oh, <laughs> like turns away. It's like, never mind. <laughs> But anyway, so, like, they're kissing with her lipstick, and I love that Claire comes out and is like, you have lipstick all over your face. And Ray's like, well, then I'm ready to go. Yeah, that was actually kind of a cute, charming line that shows you that Jamie Walters can be, like, cute, but not as Ray. (laughs) Well, and that's the problem is, yeah, like, he could be so cute, but he's abusive. And then, like, the thing with Felice and then ultimately having the ring end up in his pocket is – 
like I don't know when the redemption arc is supposed to happen, but it's like they're like, nope, keep digging. You're not down far enough yet. Yeah, that's the thing is like it was just a weird and who knows, you know, prediction wise, I think because I don't remember this. I think Felice planted the ring or somebody planted the ring. The problem is, how would you ever figure that out? You know, without somebody just confessing that they did that. But yeah, what's the whole point of trying to say that Ray had a good summer unless they're just intending to never redeem him and eventually lead him down a really bad path to then just like get him off the show? Right. Because they go to the party and Ray even says like, oh, I feel so much more comfortable around your friends. After the party, he offers to help fix up the house. And then he Mm -hmm. gives Donna his jacket where she immediately just finds the ring. And he's like, what? Like I stole it and then immediately left it for you to find. Which is a good point. Yeah. But then he just like goes full Ray and gets real mad again. Yeah. Like it's like we didn't get to see the good parts. And they immediately were like, we have to give him a reason to turn into, like, shithead Ray again. Here you yep. go. Exactly. Put it on a platter. I mean, even, like, even though Steve is drunk here, he's, like, defending Ray, but Ray takes it as, no, you're mocking me, and storms out without his jacket. Like, ugh. Bleh. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's how I interpreted it with Steve, too, is that he was just very drunk, so that's why he said it the way he did. But, like, Steve has gotten 17 second chances. <laughs> yeah, he knows a thing or two about a second chance. Yeah, so of anyone in this friend group, I feel like Steve would be the one that would be like, look, he said he didn't do it, so we got to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And I think if it had been a different kind of person, maybe he wouldn't do that. But as Donna's boyfriend who's been around, I feel like Steve actually does want to help. Agreed. Yeah, but I mean, essentially the whole gang kind of gangs up on Ray and then he leaves. And I think that's the perfect segue to start talking about literally everyone else in the episode. Let's do it. Claire and David called it quits and made drastic hair changes. David has a buzz cut and Claire has Andrea's old highlights. Jim and Cindy bought Brandon a new Mustang because they just felt so bad about selling Casa Walsh, which has been in escrow for like months. While Brandon's been working in Boston, Val's been living with Ginger, her BFF from Buffalo, in the empty house. Seriously, they have like three chairs, a table, and a pile of floor blankets. Shortly after Brandon's arrival, the realtor, Candace, arrives to be like, inspectors are coming, but don't worry about cleaning or anything. The new owners are tearing this place down. Escrow was supposed to close in one week, and neither Brandon nor Valerie have made arrangements for a new place to live. Thank goodness for Steve and every good idea he's ever had. The first one is that he was the only friend in the group to still talk to Val over the summer. The second is that he has a lead on a place with cool plumbing or whatever where he can live with Brandon and David for a really good deal, but they have to act now. The third one is, oh, hey, they're tearing down this Casa Walsh. Let's throw a party specifically to trash it because the realtor said it's fine. (laughs) Turns out it's not fine, though. After everyone any of the gang have ever met finish swinging from the chandelier, spray painting all of the walls and each other, and eating several very long sandwiches delivered by Nat, Candace pops by to let them know the deal on the house fell through. Whoops. I know it's all for drama, but why wouldn't Candace just leave a message? Like, I guarantee they still have an answering machine. 
Yeah, I mean, literally, like, the two times that she comes by could have been phone messages. Meetings that could have been a phone call? Weird. (laughs) This is definitely the woman that, like, will never text and will never send emails. She will call you and be like, we need to have a chat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She would call you to say that you need to talk, but not on the phone in person. (laughs) This reminds me of our realtor when we bought this place. She would email me in the middle of the workday and be like, can I call you right now? I was like, it's the middle of the workday. No. No, ma'am. You may not. Give me a warning ahead of time. We can schedule something so I can walk out, but I'm sitting in a conference room with six other people. I can't just get up and take a phone call. Oh, yeah. Back when we worked in person. (laughs) Aww. Oh, boy. Anywho, so we get a driving montage, and it's the first one of season six. It's it's Brandon driving his black Mustang Cobra, which I will actually say I had a little model car of when I was probably about six or seven years old, which is perfect for this episode, you know, when it aired. Um, I had, like, a little one. It's, like, all the doors open. You could check it out. It was cool. Anyway, but it was black, just like Brandon's. Um, my only comment so far is, like, the exterior of the Walsh house didn't look like our standard Walsh house. Like, I don't know what it was, but, like, the big overhang that you, like, drive under, maybe they just repainted it or something like that, like, the exterior. But it just, I was like, is this the same house we've been going to for the last five seasons? But anyway, once we got inside, I was like, okay, even empty. I know this is our house. It just, for some reason, was like a shock to the system. Well, and I even thought about that the whole time this party and everything was happening. It was like they scouted this house. Like I'm pretty sure somebody lived in it when they weren't filming. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah, maybe he painted the exterior of the house and it just like wasn't 100% of a match or like, you know, whatever. But the whole time I was like, it must be very interesting to like be a person whose house gets location scouted. Right. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Because you essentially, like, from what I know, at least in, you know, this day and age, you have to move out everything. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't use anything because they, the, I guess, location scouts and then the executives don't want any reason for the homeowners to, like, file a claim against them. Mm-hmm. I feel like if anyone ever used my house, I'd be like, we just, like, take pictures of everything and, like, keep some receipts so I can see where you bought this stuff. Like, Stage my house for me, and then I'm just going to rebuy all of it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I'd also feel like I would only get insulted if somebody showed up to my townhouse and was like, we want to use your house. And I'm like, what for? (laughs) Like, what is this going to end up looking like? (laughs) Oh, but what if it was something cute of like, this is the perfect house for our like family of four to pretend to live in. I mean, that would be nice. That would be nice. I just feel like Like, that wouldn't happen. (laughs) Oh, absolutely not. They'd be like, we're going to trash your house and maybe like throw something out the window. Exactly. (laughs) But the Walsh house has not been trashed yet. Val was there when all the movers came last week. So that kind of explains why it's completely empty. But then for some reason, Brandon comes into the house, looks around, can't find Val, walks into his parents' room. To go collapse on a bed on the floor instead of his own room. And the bed's not empty. No, it's not. And literally, the person who is in this bed just 
rolls over and starts kissing Brandon, and Brandon just lets it happen because I guess that's just what you do. Um, Brandon, if you're has, a boy, <laughs> Brandon has said no to approximately one person in this entire show. And I feel like he even said yes at the end, but then he and Claire just never happened. But like, right. I, I can't name another woman he has said no to. Which is also weird because he like giggles uncomfortably the entire time. Like, <laughs> like that classic nervous chuckle. And tells that tells me he's uncomfortable, but he just lets it happen. And huh. this person just like, you must be Brandon. And he's like, I must be dreaming. <laughs> yes. Who are you? Turns out she's Ginger. We've heard of her before. Sure have. She's apparently been hanging out here a couple of weeks. And so Brandon was gone for three months. She came in at some point and yeah, then Val walks in and's like, oh, this is normal. I see you've met Ginger. <laughs> I gotta say, the second I realized that Val and Ginger are in this house and that Brandon is going to stay for any amount of time, I was like, Brandon is doomed. Oh, he's so doomed. So these, doomed. These two are going to run all over him. Yes, 100%. So he ends up going downstairs. Val's in the kitchen. They're making lunch. And they, you know, kind of give us some exposition of, you know, the house was supposed to close in June, but everything is dragging out forever. Brandon wanted to come back and say goodbye to Casa Walsh before it closes and that his plan is to move in with Steve. Mm-hmm. Which makes total sense. Totally does. I really appreciated Val being like, you'll learn how to buy beer in six languages. <laughs> yeah, so true. But like, I don't think Val has a plan at all. No, she literally like says she doesn't have a plan because right after the scene like Brand they kind of talk and dance around the fact that they almost hooked up in Palm Springs and she's just kind of like curious where things stand between them and apparently we find out like they they did not hook up and they almost did but they started laughing at each other once they took off their clothes which that makes sense to me mm -hmm. and because the reason it makes sense to me, at least for Val, is because then we find out she dated a professional baseball player. <laughs> I know. She can aim so much higher than Brandon. And yet somehow... Literally and figuratively. <laughs> yeah. Somehow, everyone falls in love with Brandon, which he's our protagonist. Jason Priestley is an attractive man. I get yes. it. Yeah. I totally do. What I didn't like about the two of them, like this conversation was like how negative they end up being about Val through the whole thing. Like mm -hmm. he's like, the moment we took off our clothes, we started laughing uncontrollably. And she's like, oh, it was my tattoo, wasn't it? It's right. Like, the tiny little daisy on your shoulder? Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah, it was super weird. And I guess, yeah, and just to clarify, I also think Jason Priestley is an attractive man. I just don't like Brandon. Like, Brandon to me yes. is not attractive. I like Jason. But, yeah, it was just super weird, this conversation. And I think it all boils down to the fact that Val just doesn't want to be lonely. She doesn't mm -hmm. want, want to be on her own. She just wants to be wanted. And so the fact that by the end of this conversation, she admits that she's been lonely because Steve is the only one that's talked to her. She's thinking about going back to buffalo with ginger if she ends up going back whenever brandon actually says well no i want you to stay not just because you'd be company but because 
he literally says like you're the only family I have left that was all Val needed to hear from anybody really I mean think about how she chased Dylan for so long she just wanted him to want her so she was willing to like continue to chase him because she figured at some point he would and the fact that Brandon does want her even though it's just in a familial way that's enough for her that's all she wants yeah I mean so this conversation did kind of bring something up in my head because yeah she just wants to feel wanted and like going back to Buffalo she makes a point that Ginger was her only friend there like she and her mom I don't think have really talked at all and I think they've made you know pretty clear that Valerie is separate from her like biological family so she's like Mm -hmm. looking for this found family but I think it's very interesting you know she says Steve's the only one that's called her but none of the girls have called her and I feel like if I'm Ginger and I show up to visit my friend and all these people she's been telling me stories about refuse to talk to her and she's living in a completely empty house and sleeping on the floor. I'd be like, girl, we got to get out of here. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. Again, it's that outside perspective of like, you should not be here. Yeah. Like if nobody wants to talk to you, you shouldn't waste your time on them. Like, I think at some point Val says that if Ginger decides to stay, maybe they'll get an apartment together. Yeah. And I want that. Oh, I do too. I want them to just like kind of be on the outside of the friend group, but just show up to events and like Brandon and Steve still talk to them. Like we haven't seen Dylan and Val interact, but like the two of them just throw chaos at everything. I would love it. I would love it so much. Which I guess we should also point out that Ginger was in Clueless. Yes, she was. And Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Yes, she was. (laughs) Like she, what she did after, I guess right before, so this was in between the two, right? Clueless Mm -hmm. was in 95, I think it was. I think so. And then uh, Sabrina was like 97, I think. Maybe 98. Somewhere around there, but this was in between. But the fact that we get, like you said, another star who then goes on to do more and be successful she was already successful so it's like you recognize her as soon as she's on um as soon as she's on screen and she's great like like so great I would be so annoyed if I was a girl that was near her (laughs) because I would feel jealous and competitive and and lesser than and insecure but she's a great character but don't worry she's not blonde therefore she's evil right exactly (laughs) At least she's not brunette this time. Oh, thank God. (laughs) Uh, So I guess it's the next day. Branton has pulled out an entire desktop and set it up at the kitchen island, which I loved. I mean, it totally makes sense. Laptops were not, you know, a normal, easy-to-get thing. A desktop totally makes sense. I just love that he's just standing there on his desktop, you know, trying to write an email back to Jim and Cindy, who have literally just typed in all caps, hi, son, we love you, mom and dad. Call me. Bye. (laughs) You can't call. It's international. Right. That was like my favorite thing. I was like, Cindy emails like my mom texts. Just, (laughs) dear child, call me. Love you, parent. In all caps. (laughs) Gotta be all caps. Oh, it's so great. But Steve and David come in because they need to tell Brandon they, you know, are all planning on living together. 
And apparently, who is it? One of David's dad's divorced friends is moving back in with his wife. So therefore, his three-bedroom, three-bathroom penthouse is available for three college-age boys. Yeah. That sounds like A, terrible idea. B, not at all feasible. C, I need to see it. (laughs) I really want to see it. I don't think we're going to. I don't either. I don't either. And Ginger thinks that David's cute. And also lies about her last name. But Val calls her out on it. Thank God. <laughs> Which, like, it. I mean, that's like a best friend thing to be like, what? That's not your name. Right. For sure. Like, it's either you could go either way. Like, one, you just totally go along with it. Or you're like, bitch, no. <laughs> <laughs> Which I only feel like she did the like, uh, no, it's not. For, like, this is Val without the, like veil on because if it was the Val pretending to be LA Val she'd be like oh yes this is my friend exactly for sure if it was like in public she totally would have gone along with it but the fact that it's like the core friend group she's like y'all haven't talked to me all summer so I need to not make waves right now I will also say with David, Steve, and Brandon moving into an apartment together. I really wish they had moved into the same beach apartment house that Kelly and Donna and Claire live in because I need the like rival boys and girls apartments. I need the friends of it all. Yeah, I was about to say like the friends style type of, I mean, it would make things so much easier. (laughs) It really would. And like, then like get rid of Casa Walsh, put everybody in the same place. Mm-hmm. You're done. We'd save so much. And then like Dylan's off in his own little house. Exactly. And that would be totally fine because that's how it has been and it's been working. Um, but for the time being, like Candace is here. We find out about the, you know, they're tearing down the house. Um, so Steve, of course, and like there's even just a little look like, a you know, camera cut over to Steve and I think Val's next to him and she sees him have an idea it's almost like he literally has a light bulb go off and she's like no <laughs> please no <laughs> she's like uh-uh and Steve literally says we need to throw a party p-a-r-t-y because we got to because obviously like that's the only thing on his mind and then Which- he tries to headbutt Brandon and Brandon's like no <laughs> little baby Brandon would crumple <laughs> he would I mean, it's it's in a later scene when he shows up with the spray bottles, but did you see Ian's earrings arms? Oh, for sure. Homie, like, got after it over the summer. Like, he has always looked good, but I noticed it this time. I especially noticed it this time. It's such a shame that, like, most of the boys on this show, the actors are really cute and really attractive. It's the personality of the character that sucks so much. <laughs> right? Like... You couldn't get me to date uh, Brandon with, like, a million dollars. Be like, mm, not into it. I couldn't date Steve for a million dollars. Oh, no one should ever go near Steve. He should be gone. <laughs> I love Ian Ziering, and Steve is such an attractive person, but he's an asshole and a racist and so privileged. Yeah, I didn't 100%. forget. Well, and but, like, to that point, speaking of not forgetting – Literally, when they're in the next scene in the car, just the boys, Steve makes a comment about Kelly dumping him years ago. Hashtag never forget. Like, it annoys me. So I actually, when I heard that, because he says, I take them to the top and they dump me just like Kelly. Mm -hmm. I feel like there were layers to it. And I hate every single one of them. 
Mm-hmm. So like Steve dating Kelly in sophomore year of high school, also known as four years ago, five years mm-hmm. ago. And then also Steve insisting on being her manager and taking her out to New York where she dumped him because she got a real job modeling and not had her friend be around. But like she needs you. You just latched on. I mean, to be fair, if he had said just like David, it would have had the same kind mm-hmm. of deal because he tried to be David's manager and sucked at it and David fired him. Yeah, but they need it to be like, just like Kelly. Oh, mm-hmm. how is she? Right, right. It's the transition. Like, yeah, this is completely exposition of like, Steve's been in summer school all year and he's not a junior, also known as Steve didn't evolve at all. <laughs> right. Steve is the same person he was. Now just buy spray paint. And then Claire and David broke up and David's been working at a music venue and surrounded by groupies, but still not going on dates. Right. Which is totally fine. He's allowed to do that. You don't always have to like date around or be in relationships. And then Brandon was out in Boston dating Boston girls. Yeah. And then, yeah, they go look at a three bedroom, three bathroom uh, penthouse with cool plumbing. (laughs) Loved that (laughs) so much. But we don't get to see it because presumably they're not actually going to end up living there. Right. After they see the apartment, Brandon goes back to Casa Walsh where he is still trying to respond to, hi, son, love you, mom and dad. (laughs) It's a real thinker, that one. (laughs) It's real hard. And Ginger comes around him, presses him right up to the counter to the point that he's like, ow, what are you doing? (laughs) And writes, I have the major hots for your son. Send. I just love, again, it's the chaos of it all. Like, I love a chaotic character. Well, And I think my favorite thing is they are literally like, we need Val to have a friend. So we're going to bring Val's friend from Buffalo. And surprise, Val is not, un- like, she is not unique. There's another right. one. Right. Exactly. There's another one. And... Which then, like, Steve came – they came back. Steve bought spray paint. He tags the wall with party. And then there's actually kind of a cute little dialogue between Steve and Val because he admits – Steve freely admits that they need to go get beer and use Val's ID because her fake is better than his fake. And I actually kind of love that he actually admits that. I – honestly, I'm not against Steve and Val just being, like, party friends like yeah like buddies yeah they're never gonna like sit down and have emotional conversations over coffee but they'll like you know go to sporting events together they'll organize parties like you know get togethers like the pee pad actually made sense for them it really does and I'm sure Steve's technically off of parole by now so he can do whatever he wants exactly (laughs) so we actually finally get to this party and I don't know if you guys noticed that this was just a weird, I think, editing thing. Yes. Okay. Yeah. They showed just dancing, but then all of a sudden it cuts and it shows other people doing the same dancing sort of, but it's like the same exact shot. They just changed yeah. people. It really threw me off and I did not like the choice. I just didn't understand it. So that's why I think it was maybe an act, an oopsie, like whoops. I I completely agree. I think something happened and 
you know, I can't imagine this is actually the case, but maybe they were like, it's 1996. People aren't going back and rewatching this. <laughs> yeah, probably not. There's no internet forums. Mm-hmm. But everyone's downstairs dancing. And meanwhile, Brandon is upstairs in his room now, not his parents' room, his room, looking at the engagement ring that he bought for Kelly. He has held on to it through Boston and back. Should have sold it. Really should have returned it, it. Sold it, returned it, whatever. And I know it's like an emotional thing. He's not over Kelly. Like he would still see his life with her. But like, I don't know, maybe he's going to have to pawn it in order to pay for everything to fix this house. I mean, that's a good point. But Ginger comes in behind him and literally, like, I could easily see all these lines having been written for Val, where she's like, will you help me with my zipper up or down? What would you prefer? Mm -hmm. And she's trying so hard, like everything that she does is like just getting into Brandon's personal space. Like she is in his bubble and will oh, not yeah. get out. Yep. And luckily Kelly walks in and Kelly and Brandon start talking and Ginger's just like, <clears throat> like I'm right here. And Brandon's like, Oh, this is Ginger. This is Valerie or yeah. Valerie's friend from uh, Buffalo. I just loved that. Kelly was like, well, any friend of Valerie's, Care to finish that sentence? (laughs) Yeah. It's like, "Mm, no. (laughs) I hate her is is how I would finish. Literally, like, at this point, I'd be like, that's Kelly? Like, Valerie, pack your bags. We're going to Venice. Like, Mm -hmm. pick another part of California. LA is huge. Exactly. And I just love so many times in this episode they just acknowledge that none of them talk to each other over the summer unless they actually are like living in the same space like mm-hmm. Kelly comes in to Brandon and is like I hate that you didn't call me all summer I love that Brandon responds I hate you too yeah <laughs> I'm telling you they also have great chemistry even if it's like that I mean yeah I think like Kelly just has chemistry. She just exudes yeah. chemistry with whoever they put her on screen with. She's just one of those people that like, yeah, you put her on screen and even if it was supposed to be bad dialogue or bad interactions, like she just helps make it work. She can own it. I mean, mm-hmm. I like Nat shows up for his obligatory moment is like, oh, I wasn't involved to this party, uh, invited to this party. But then like – Kelly is talking again about the new Kelly and she says like the gloves are off watch out love it love that for her so excited for this Kelly meanwhile as all this has happened happening David spray paints months people random people are hanging from the chandelier Steve tags the camera which is interesting um there there are a lot of choices with the yeah. uh, partying Right. Like, basically, it's just spray paint all the walls. Just kidding. Spray paint people, specifically their chests. Oh, oh, let me fix that for you. Pour a drink all over that girl. Months is never going to get laid. No, poor Months. I mean, he's innovative with his little, like, delivery, alcohol delivery system, but mm. still not the choice I would go for of pouring a beer on a girl's head right after you spray painted her and ruined her clothes. Yep. But that's just months, neither here nor there. Dylan does come to this party 
after he's gone to the prison, after he's done all of these things. And I love that Val comes up to him so excited to see him. And he's like, hey, where's Kelly? And she's like, like really? Really? Rightfully so. Oh, for sure. Just there are some clueless boys on this show. <laughs> you could have asked literally anybody else. Kelly just like exudes confidence and you can pick her out of a crowd no problem. Like, you did yeah. not have to go to Val and we're like, where is the one person you hate? <laughs> I mean, even like, because then uh, Kelly and Dylan start talking and Brandon walks out. It's like, oh boy, here we go with this. And so then immediately Kelly's like, I'm out of here. Like, I don't want to be any part of this, which is you know, fine. But then immediately Brandon and Dylan start shit talking about Kelly. I, I really wanted the Brandon and Dylan friendship to come back, Mm -hmm. but not, I don't want this. Well, it just still feels like the sweat lodge episode, Mm -hmm. like where they're never going to actually be friends because they're too busy competing with each other. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's how Kelly and Brenda felt like for a long time. You know, like always competing with each other until they finally, I guess, just like buried the hatchet or whatever. But yeah, with Dylan and Brandon, there's just always this undercut, you know, like I always have to be better than you. So I have to insult you or insult something. Mm -hmm. Which, you know, also to go off of that, like Brenda and Kelly didn't actually really bury the hatchet until the moment that Brenda left. True, true. Like they needed to be apart from each other and away from Dylan and all this stuff and like maybe that's what Brandon and Dylan need is just like separation that is not oh Dylan fell off the wagon so I'm never talking to him again right exactly well and then naturally in the conversation (laughs) Dylan just randomly asked Brandon if he knows Tony Marchette and of course Brandon knows him from his gambling addiction (laughs) which like I feel like it would have made so much more sense for them to be like, Brandon reads the paper. Yeah. Like, Brandon is a journalist. Not (laughs) remember the gambling addiction from two seasons ago. That you had for a little while and then almost had again. (laughs) Just choices. The choices of every time they give someone on the show and, like, the gang of Vice Mm -hmm. and then are just like, oh, yeah. Brandon had a gambling addiction. Do you remember when Brandon got the DUI and was like, I'm an alcoholic and I'm never going to drink again? And now he's like drinking again, just like popping a keg, like whatever. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, it just, I think there's times when they go extreme, right? And show Dylan going to rehab. And then other times I just blow it off like addiction is no big deal. But thankfully it proved useful because Brandon knows who Tony Marchette is. So much so that Dylan then asked Brandon if he wants to help him find him. And Brandon's like, I could be down with that. And I'm like, I don't hate it. I don't hate it. I mean, I hate it if it becomes every single episode is like the Sweat Lodge episode. But I don't necessarily hate it right now. Well, and again, like this just makes me think it's Riverdale. <laughs> yeah, like, true. I need your help taking down the mob boss that lives in our town. Best friend. But I also get more of an Archie vibe from Brandon and a Jughead vibe from Dylan. Absolutely. It's just like the convenience of Archie was the one going after the mob boss. For sure. For sure. For sure. Yeah. But it's totally like Brandon, Archie, Dylan, Jughead. Like that's, yeah. 
All right. So finally, just kind of wrapping up this this episode, you know, we see the gang finally getting together um, because basically like, well, actually, you know what? There's something I want to say before that. Ginger and Brandon are having this like flirtatiousness. Da, 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 da. Nat has to come in and say that he's leaving to Brandon, which why was he at a party with 20 year olds anyway? But besides the point. He confronts Brandon and says that the party's a disgrace and also, what happened to you? Which obviously gets in Brandon's head. This isn't you. (laughs) Why did you go to Boston? But, I mean, fair point. Nat is an old man. Why is he wanting to stay at a party with 20-year-olds? Yeah, it makes no sense. And, yeah, he tells Brandon that he's disgusting and a disgrace and all of this stuff and it sticks in Brandon's head and then it gets like built upon that because Candace shows up and it's like, I've been trying to call you guys. The house fell out of escrow. It has to go back on the market. Mm-hmm. Like it, the, the face, you just see Brandon be like, Oh shit. Oh yeah. Big time. And finally we get like the last scene ish of the episode where basically the gang finally gets together as a collective unit. Mm-hmm. Steve is real drunk. Val is like, Sorry. actually like, we'll just fix it up. No big deal. Ray even's like, I've got tools. <laughs> and Steve, I think, says like, your tools won't solve the problem or something like that and offers money, sort of. And Donna's just optimistic about the whole thing because she's a sweet baby angel. Then Claire is actually a realist about it, which every single one of these reactions is so on brand for all of them, even to the point where Ginger is just horny (laughs) about it all. So (laughs) from everything we know about Ginger, that tracks. (laughs) So I kind of loved, you know, yeah, they go down the lines when they get to Steve and Steve's like, your tools can't do anything like as good as money can. And Brandon's like, your money? Like, yeah. Brandon, you okayed this party. Right. Exactly. This is your fault. Exactly. You did not have to let Steve do this. The second he showed up with all this shit, you could have just turned it into a regular party, not a trash the house party. That's right. Like, this is so much on Brandon, but him blaming it on Steve and saying Steve has to pay to fix it, also very on brand. It's kind of the whole, like, scorpion and the frog analogy, you know, where, like, Brandon is – the the frog and steve is a scorpion and and basically like the scorpion ends up stinging the frog and as they're like going down he's like why do you do that and he was like i'm sorry it's just in my nature it's like brandon should have realized that steve was gonna end up doing something so steve and stopped it but instead just gets mad when steve is steve (laughs) yeah and then blame steve and it's not himself exactly it's like it's season six. When has it ever been a good idea to listen to Steve's ideas and just let him do Steve things? Yeah, no. Steve has had like one good idea in five years. Yeah, it was the pee pad, and it was immediately taken from him <laughs> because they realized, "Ooh, we can't let him have this." <laughs> because he didn't get permits. Like he had the idea, but then he couldn't like actually follow through with the important pieces of it. Exactly. I do – so they get through the whole friend group and, yeah, Claire's a realist and she says, you know, like my dad says, you make your bed, you got to sleep in it. And Ginger says, just don't sleep alone. (laughs) And the look that Claire gives her 
like tells me how much the character of Claire has changed since we intro- we were introduced to her. Mm-hmm. For sure. Just shock. Utter shock. I honestly think Claire might be top top three characters for me. I really enjoy when she shows up and just is like the like really smart one and she's just mm-hmm. like how do you all survive? Right. Like, because she's so real about everything, but also incredibly intelligent and funny. She's funny, too. There are some times, though, because so, you know, Ray goes to get drinks for everybody. I love that he comes back with beer in coffee cups rather than just like solo cups of beer. I don't know why that just really tickled me. Mm hmm. But it's after Donna has found the ring in Ray's jacket and Claire is just like, you want to explain yourself about this? Yeah, he's ready to confront him. (laughs) Just inserts herself. Yep. She's like got the light, you know, like the detective (laughs) light or whatever. Like, where were you on the night of la la la? (laughs) She's like, they're going to play good cop, bad cop. And she just immediately (laughs) goes in for it. Yeah, she's like, bad cop, I was born for this. (laughs) And we kind of touched on it before. So like, you know. Steve says something, Ray immediately gets super defensive, he storms out, they shut down the party, and we like kind of just jump to the next morning where Steve has passed out in the living room with his legs just like splayed up on the wall. <laughs> he looked like one of those um like the physical embodiment of the chalk drawing <laughs> of a body <laughs> in a crime scene. <laughs> I just have to hope that that was like his choice. They're like, oh, all right, we're sure. going to set the scene in here. And then, you know, I and Zeering is like, it's going to be really funny if Steve is just passed out in the corner and then was like, I'm going to do it like this. <laughs> I would love it. I would love it so much. And Brandon is sitting in that little like entry hall or entrance way. And the house is completely wrecked. I mean, there's spray paint everywhere. We heard sounds of crashing windows Yesterday, people were hanging from the chandeliers. Like, it is going to take so much to fix this house. And Brandon's idea of it all is to convince Jim and Cindy to not sell it. And just basically gift it to him. Because let's be real, there's still a mortgage. There's still property taxes. There's still all of these, these fines and fees that go along with owning a house that Jim and Cindy were probably hoping they'd get cash from to go towards whatever wherever they're living in Hong Kong. Mhm. No, it's it's a very like it's the Jim and Cindy guilt thing where yeah. like they gave Brenda France a couple of seasons ago so then when they moved they gave Brandon a Mustang but then he was like but a Mustang is not the same as France. I want a house. <laughs> yeah. When in reality, both a car and a house cost so much more than a trip to France. <laughs> that house has to be like one plus million now. So I don't know what it would have cost then. But like you are asking a lot of your parents. Yeah. Just, I mean, he's going to get to keep it. You know of he course. is. This, of course. We know Jim and Cindy. They're not here, but we know. And... I think that's it. I think that's the first episode of our new season. We're back, baby. It was so good. I loved it so much. It was nice to be back in the 90210. It just felt so right. Mm -hmm. It totally did. 
honestly, introducing Colin and Ginger the way that they did, like, feels real. It worked. Yeah. No, it totally did. I mean, because we essentially got rid of Jim and Cindy, Andrea and Jesse last season and mm-hmm. only added two more characters and it felt pretty seamless. Yeah. Which I have no doubt they'll find ways to introduce more characters throughout the season, but I have no problem with like a net loss of two. Oh, same. Same, same. So many characters. I'm like, we don't even really need Colin that much. Like, right, He can just right. be a boyfriend. Yeah. We already have one outsider in Ray. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I already gave you my quote of the week. Um, there were a lot of good quotes, though. So if you guys have any favorites, feel free to express them. Yeah, the only other two I would have said in like a guess would have been when Donna, Ray, and Claire are at the beach apartment and Claire's like, you have lipstick all over your face. And Ray says, then I'm ready to go. That's a good one. And then uh, Kelly and Ginger, where she's like, any friend of Valerie's care to finish that sentence? No. That had like very high, high potential there. I love the snarkiness. Gosh, I love both of those so much. I know, right? Literally the only quote I wrote down though for some reason was um, cellmate Ben (laughs) saying, (laughs) try not to get yourself killed. Your daddy wouldn't like it. Daddy. Daddy. (laughs) (laughs) Crime dad. Um, it did have a moment of the week, though. Um, it was Donna using Maybelline Great Lash Mascara in the little pink tube. With the green top. Loved it so much. Um, but also I had a runner-up for that, and that was Claire clapping at Donna and Ray and saying, stop that, like she was scolding a dog. (laughs) (laughs) Stop that. (laughs) I love Claire. Love Claire. Claire so much. She's the best. I miss her dark hair, though. Yeah. Yeah, not a fan of the new haircut. I don't know if that was, like, really popular at the time, but it did not age the way, I think. I I honestly think, like, that, like, choppiness, like, that choppy cut and then just, like, tons of coloring, that was so 90s. Like, I feel like women really just was like, I'm going to color my hair every six weeks, like, a different color, not just, like, get it recolored. (laughs) Yeah, we're not doing like just highlights. We're doing seven different kinds of highlights and they are going to be vastly different than the color of my hair. Exactly. There's no seamlessness going on here. (laughs) Well, now that Casa Walsh is trash and Brandon is on the hunt to save Casa Walsh and Dylan is on the hunt to find his dad's murderer, what's next week's episode? Yeah, we got to find out a lot of stuff, but I do feel like it kicked things off in a good way. So next week we have... Uh, season six, episode two, Buffalo Gals. Oh, I love it. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. So we'll definitely see what happens then if it's about Val and Ginger, our n- newest team up. I-, I would love it. So we'll find out about that next week. And until then, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at back to Podcast. You can also shoot us over an email. Let us know what you thought about the season six premiere. Um, And if there's anything you'd like to see this season, just let us know. Shoot us over an email at backtopodcast at gmail.com. That's B-A-C-K-T-O podcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to go into your podcast app and rate, review, subscribe, share it with all your friends. Uh, You could rate us on Spotify now. So that would be a really fun thing if you did. 
And if you leave us one of those reviews, we'll give you a shout out on the podcast. We really appreciate all of that interaction. You know, it helps us get seen. It helps us grow our community. Then we can build a better product to give to you guys. And it would just be really cool. So from all of us at Back to Podcast, I'm a friend of Valerie's. I'm perhaps the largest sandwich anyone has ever seen. I'm into regular business like casinos and murder. Bye. Bye. See ya. <laughs>